Hi. How's everybody? Welcome to Parkview. Glad to have you here. Um, I I, want to first of all say the reason that we're doing this whole deal is this temptation thing. Um, we want you to be able to escape. That's the idea of the song. That's what we're trying to do is to help you to escape. But before we get going on that, I have a word from the Lord. Okay. Are you ready for a word from the Lord today? Anybody? Come on. I want, are you ready for a word from the Lord? Okay. Thank you. This is Leviticus 11. These are the birds you are to detest and not eat because they are detestable. The eagle, the vulture, the raven, the screech owl, the gull, and any kind of hawk, any kind of hawk is detestable. Can I get a hallelujah? Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, I want to say thank you for uh, those of you who put up with the craziness of late. We had 11,400 people come to Christmas Eve, and some of you didn't get a chance to even get in and get a seat. Um, we had 8,600 people for Josh Hamilton last weekend, and I know there were a lot of people that, yeah, it was really cool. It was an awesome weekend. Some of you parked at the uh, Orland Park Mall and walked, and I really appreciate that. Um, you may have heard that he got pneumonia. He was actually in the hospital on uh, on Monday, hospitalized with pneumonia. The big wimp couldn't handle four services, but um, but he's okay. He's uh, he. Uh, joking aside, I mean, honestly, uh, he and he'll say he'll be the first one to say this. The effects of sin don't just go away. Okay, the effects of sin don't just they don't just they don't just vanish. I mean, you can be forgiven instantly when you sin and your relationships can be healed and all those things in the part of that story. But the truth of the matter is what he did to his body on drugs has messed up his immune system. And so he's susceptible. So keep praying for him. Awesome people. You probably want to you probably like, well, you know, what was he really like if you were here? If you don't know what I'm talking about and you're like, who's Josh Hamilton? Go online. Um, we got a brand new website and brand new media player, and you can watch it full screen, and it's online. Go on and watch it. But, but if you're wondering what was he like in person, he was phenomenal. My favorite two stories were that uh, we had restoration ministry here. Some of our people who are uh, are addicted to drugs and they're trying to they're trying to come back. And uh, he wanted to not only he, not only did was he glad they were here, he wanted to meet them. And so we had to bring them all up and let them meet him. I had some uh, some young friends here, some like young teenage guys here, and uh, and and he you know he met him and he was talking to him. And at one point he stopped and he said, Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? I mean, imagine that American League MVP, you know, Matt, your baseball hero, this guy that home run champion. I mean, that that was what he was doing. That's that what it was all about. He was that kind of a guy. And uh, it was a phenomenal weekend. So I decided that what I wanted to do is to take off of that and talk about temptation. OK, I wanted to, you know, because that's how do, how do you go from being a guy who got a four million dollar signing bonus out of high school? How do you go from being a guy who who never drank, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. He didn't even go to senior prom. He was so clean cut. He didn't even go to senior prom because he did not want to be associated with people that might have done something wrong. How do you go from that in one night to going to your first strip club, taking your first drink of alcohol, and and hitting your first line of coke? How does that happen? And yet, you know, you've all got your stories probably too, don't you? I mean, how did it ha- how did I end up in this place where this could possibly happen to me? Three year old went into the kitchen one day and mom was in there and mom had to leave for a minute and left the three year old in there and said, listen, don't eat those cookies up in the cookie jar. Well, as soon as she left, he crawled up and he grabbed a cookie and he had it in his mouth. And as she walked back in, she said, what happened? I told you you couldn't have any cookies. And he said, I just climbed up here to smell the cookies and my tooth got caught in one of them. You could tell me your own stories, couldn't you? 
how you just had this one little thing, this one little thought, you know, I'll just crawl up here, I'll just do that, and then all of a sudden it came to get me. Somebody sent me these, these are the God help me pictures on the internet. Uh, all of a sudden you gave in to temptation, and you opened the door, and there was a grizzly bear right outside, right? All of a sudden you drove your truck a little too close to the edge, and you're hanging there holding on for dear life. I don't even know how that one happened, I mean, that's just crazy. Your car, you know, how does that happen in temptation? You got this big elephant that's on top of your car, you know. You decided to go hunting for lions and forgot and left your gun out in the, in, you know, by the campfire. Um, and uh, you know, this is probably the best one of all of them. I mean, there's somehow at po- some point you gave in. You said, "Okay, I'm going to do this one thing," and all of a sudden you woke up and there's a bear underneath your tree. There, there's something going on, and, and I want to help you with that. Okay. And the truth of the matter is, you're not going to be able to fix this in your own willpower, okay? We don't have enough willpower on our own, so have hope today. If you've been giving in to temptation a lot and you're like, I don't know if I can deal with it, you can. We're going to give you hope. Because the truth of the matter is, your own willpower is not going to work. Let's watch this video. It's really hard to say no, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to say no. But here's the thing, okay? This series is based on a book called Pause by Andy Stanley from North Point in, in Atlanta. He, uh, he referenced this, uh, this whole idea of delayed gratification. That's what we're talking about. There was a very famous study done actually at University of Chicago many years ago where they did this test with young kids and then they studied them for like 15 years to try to figure out if, if the ability to say no early would help them the ability to say no later. And sure enough, it did. So Stanley said, what I decided to do is I decided to do this with my own kids because I thought, you know, I need to know which one of my kids I need to keep my eye on later on in life. So he did it with Skittles and he said, two observations surfaced when I did this. I gave him Skittles and I said, you know, here's a couple of Skittles, but if you'll wait, I'll give you a whole bag of Skittles in just a moment. And he put them in this situation like that where they were tempted. What he found out was two things. Number one is there's always more to temptation than we know in the moment. Because the truth of the matter is, saying no to a Skittle or a marshmallow or a cookie or whatever is not that big a deal. But at some point, if we can't learn to say no to something early, we're not going to be able to say no to something later that might be worse. And the second one is, their ability to, to say no to temptation hinged on their confidence that they had in their father. In other words, if they really believed that their dad was going to give them a bag of Skittles later, then they might wait. But if they thought their dad was just playing a joke and thought he was going to come in and go, oh, taking your Skittles, you should have eaten them when you had the chance, then they're not going to do it. So we're going to focus on those two things today. Okay. Number one, there's always more at stake than you think. We learned this last week with Josh Hamilton. It's unbelievable to think how would he have known on one night to get in one car with some friends would end up. Where it went with the, with losing his baseball career, losing his family, uh, all the things that happened to him. I mean, you can't possibly see that. But there's always more at stake than you imagine. And the second thing is, temptation is more about your confidence in God, your trust in God, and your faith in God than you believe. The truth, the real question about temptation is, can I trust God? Does God really love me? Does God really know what I need? Does he really have two marshmallows? Does he really have the right thing for me later? Because I really just want to do what I'm doing now. And every temptation really comes down to, can God be trusted? Now, part of this misunderstanding is, of God is that we don't know who God is. And maybe you don't really know God. None of us know God fully, but we're all trying to learn and grow in Him. And we've got a new tool that we're getting ready to unleash called Monve, M-O-N-V-E-E. It's an online assessment tool that we're doing uh, in conjunction with John Ortberg and several other churches. We're doing this uh, to, to try to help you. We're going to roll it out for you so that you'll be able to take an online assessment and kind of find your pathway to God. 
Because the truth is, everybody's not the same. Some of us like to study our way to God. Some of us are more feelers. Some of us have more natural pathways. So you're going to be able to figure that out. And I think as you get to know God more, you're going to be able to trust Him more. What I'm going to do during this series is point to the way that Jesus dealt with temptation. Because if we're going to learn how to deal with temptation, the best example is the Son of God. The Hebrew writer said Jesus was tempted in every way like we were, yet he was without sin. Going to be in Matthew's... uh, in Matthew, the, the very first gospel, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to this. I mean, I, I know we don't always because sometimes I jump around, but I'm going to be camping out in Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a box full of Bibles out there. We have free coffee. We have free Bibles. This is the greatest church ever. I mean, come on. You, 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 could, you, could, you could take Bill Brown home if you want also. Just whatever. Just, just get a free Bible and, and, and we want you to, I want you to bring it back. And I'll put it on the screen in case you don't have it, but here we go. Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You're the Son of God. What are are you talking about? You come to me? But Jesus said, let it be done so now. And it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I like that phrase. It's proper to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He's the Son of God. He's perfect. He he doesn't have any reason to to, to demonstrate to God that his heart is right, but he wants to do it to fulfill all righteousness. One of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about last weekend with Josh Hamilton was how important his baptism was to him. Uh, I'll read you from the book. I mean, just after he'd made this transformation, after God started to work in his life, he decided he really wanted to get baptized because he'd never, ever done that. And he submitted his life to to the importance of baptism. Here's what he wrote. The symbolism of baptism as it related to my story, made it very important. Being immersed in a pool of God's healing water was just an outward sign of the inward transformation. The inward transformation, while never complete, began the day I got saved in my aunt's living room and it was strengthened the day I surrendered to God in the bedroom of my grandma's house. And, my, and it continued to this day. But now I was getting ready to head back to the Major League Spring Training after four years out of the game. I was an example of God's grace and His generosity and His power. And it was the perfect timing for me to demonstrate outwardly what was going on inwardly. To proclaim to the Lord publicly, I am following you. I needed, here's what he said, I needed to confirm and celebrate my faith as spring approached. And I prepared for the next stop of my journey. I told Katie I didn't expect to feel any different because of the water, because I was different on the inside. But we went into the water, and my friends and family were gathered around. And when I emerged, the smile on my face could have lit up the night. I looked up to see Katie and her parents with tears streaming down their faces. I mean, can you imagine? You know, your son-in-law or your husband or, you know, this guy had all of this going for him, and he threw it all away and, and was almost dead and then he finally came back, and now they're watching him say, okay, this is, this is real, I'm really doing this. He said, I stayed in the water, his daughter joined him, Katie had already been baptized. Katie said the smile that stayed on my face was the biggest she'd ever seen, and when I walked out of the water, I felt a lightness and a happiness that surprised me. Why am I quoting that? Because some of you need to do that. I mean, if I'm going to talk about Jesus' baptism, I mean, that's, we're going to talk about the temptation, but some of you need to do that. Some of you have just been putting it off. You know, uh, last year we did 740 baptisms in one weekend. Um, we're not going to probably have that many next weekend, but I've decided, Lon and I decided we're going to do this again next weekend. I'm just going to jump in the water. Brian's going to jump in over at Lockport. And if you want to get baptized, uh, we want you just to come and do it. If, if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't submitted to, to the baptism uh, of Jesus Christ to fulfill all righteousness, then come and do it. Now, 
it's probably going to be a little cold out, so we don't want you to go out wet. You know, I mean, you might want to bring some clothes next weekend. You can also fill out this communication card if you haven't done it. And if you want to talk to us, call us up, email us, we'll, we'll answer your questions. But if you think you want to do it, if you want to talk to somebody, the very first box on this commitment card on your bulletin says, I want to get baptized. Just fill that out and throw it in the offering plate on the way by, and we'll get in contact with you. I hope that we have a hundred people next weekend that say, you know what, I've been waiting to do that, and I need to do that. If Jesus did it to fulfill all righteousness, then I need to do it. I need to follow him. And I'll come back to that in a second, because there's a scripture that applies to that. As soon as Jesus was baptized... <clears throat> He went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. <clears throat> Imagine that you're at this gathering, and you're watching, you're watching Jesus get baptized by John, and all of a sudden, I mean, this didn't happen very often, all of a sudden, God went, whoosh, and he parted the clouds, and he looked down, and his voice boomed down, and he said, Hey, that's my boy down there, way to go, I'm proud of you. And the angels are doing like a wave, you know, around the hole in the sky. And, and everybody's cheering because they were excited. And the angels do that when you follow God in baptism. The Bible tells us that. And, and they were up there cheering. And, and Jesus has this dove come down. And, and God says, I'm really, really proud of you. And then you get to chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, then, what was Jesus' reward for being baptized? Then, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. What? That's got to be a misprint. Jesus, God, I thought you, I thought you said you loved me. You had to send a dove down. I, 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 you know, you were clapping for me up in heaven, and now I've got to go duke it out with the devil? How does that work? If you're going to make up stories, if you, this, why the Bible's not made up? You, you just, nobody would make this up. It doesn't make any sense. But the interesting thing about it is, the same thing happened to Abraham and Moses and Peter and all of the disciples. The word temptation is the same word for test. We tend to think of temptation as a bad thing, like, oh man, if I was a better Christian, I wouldn't be tempted. Oh yeah, are you a better, could you be a better Christian than Jesus? You know, because Jesus was tempted. It's not the temptation that's the problem, it's what we do with the temptation that's the problem. And, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to line this up exactly. I don't know how much temptation we allow ourselves to get under and what, when God allows us to go through it. But I know that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert for a little workout with the devil. Now, let me talk about the devil for a second, okay? Because I know that some of you are walking in here and you're like, ah, oh, come on, bro. This is the 21st century. I mean, seriously, a devil, you have little horns and a pitchfork, you know, isn't that kind of tooth fairy-ish? You know I mean? How does that whole thing work? And by the way, um, you know what happens if you don't pay your exorcist? You get repossessed. Boom, boom. Uh, if, if, you, um, <clears throat> if you're struggling with the reality of the devil, I just had to throw that in for your baby dedication, people. If, if you're struggling with the devil for just a minute, all I, all I want to ask you to do is to go back and watch the news tonight. Okay? Just turn on the news and tell me why. If there is no devil, then why? If there is no evil, then why? Why are those people doing that to each other? Tell me why. Uh, and, and the rest of you, I, I understand what your question is going to be. The rest of you, you're saying, well, Tim, why did God create the devil in the first place? Is that, isn't, isn't that something you'd like to know? Well, here's the answer. He didn't. God didn't create the devil. God created angels and human beings who had free will. 
I could spend the whole rest of the sermon talking about free will. I'm not, I don't have time to. But God always gives us free will. And he gave the angels free will. And there was one angel. He was an archangel. He was a very powerful angel, like Gabriel, like Michael, like the ones that we've heard about. And God gave them all freedom of choice. And Lucifer said, you know what? I think I can take him. Lucifer said, hey, you guys, let's, let's, let's overtake God. Let's, let's put a little coup together here. And he got a third of the angels. This is what the Bible tells us. He got a third of the angels to follow him, and he tried to overtake God. And there was this battle in heaven, which really wasn't a battle, because all God did was go, pink and cast the devil and all his, all his followers out. Cast Lucifer and all his followers out. And they are now doomed to eternity without God, and they don't like it, and so they want to take as many people as they can with them. The Greek word for devil is diabolos, which we get our word diabolic. It means accuser. In the Old Testament, the word for the devil is Satan. It means opponent or adversary. Okay, You put those names together and that tells you everything. He is our adversary. He's our foe. He's our accuser. He's our slanderer. And he will lie about you. I mean, that's part of that whole slander or Satan thing. He is a liar. Matter of fact, Jesus just goes off on him in John chapter 8. He says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He starts to sound like Elf, doesn't he? Don't trust him. He's a liar. He sits on a throne of lies. He smells like beef and cheese. This is who, this is who Jesus is describing us. He is a liar. The truth is not in him. I mean, how many times does he have to say he is a liar? Listen to me. You don't have to believe in spiritual warfare. You don't have to. But Jesus did. Okay? Really important. Jesus did. John Eldridge said to live in ignorance of spiritual warfare is the most naive and dangerous thing a person can do. It's like skipping through the worst part of town late at night with your wallet above your head. It's like walking into an Al-Qaeda training camp wearing an I love the USA shirt. It's like swimming with the great white sharks dressed as a wounded sea lion and smeared with blood. Let me tell you something. You don't escape spiritual warfare simply because you choose not to believe it exists or because you refuse to fight it. Jesus said Satan is a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. So why don't we ever think he's actually going to steal, kill and destroy? That's what he wants to do. He wants to harm me physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, eternally. His number one enemy is Jesus Christ, and his number two enemies are the people who follow Jesus Christ. Paul said we should be aware of Satan's schemes. Peter said we should be self-controlled and alert because our enemy is like a, a, a roaring lion, prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When I uh, <clears throat> went to Africa last time, I took my kids with me, and, and uh, while we were there, we went out and got to see the animals in the wild at the Maasai Game Preserve, got to go on safari and see the animals, and we got to see a lion kill. Uh, this is for the guys, okay? I know you ladies, you're going to think this is wrong, but I don't care. Um, the guys, <clears throat> when I got back to, <clears throat> after this was all over, the, the, the guide was like, man, I've never seen that before. For some reason, that was only a calf. It was only a cow, okay? It wasn't like it was exciting, like, you know, lion versus cheetah. But there, was, there, was the, there were these cows there. For some reason, the Maasai people had brought their cows onto the game preserve. And sometimes they did that, and usually there was, there was never any altercation. But we happened to come upon a group of lions who were obviously hunting, and so we stopped. And it's not graphic, so don't worry, but you've got to see it. The guy's got to see it. Ladies, you can just go, la, 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 la. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
He just went up and said, hey, honey, when's dinner? I'm thinking it's a young male. There they go, there's a bunch of them. Maybe they're going for the cows. Cow, 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 cow. Let's drive forward to see it. Here's the cow. There it goes. Can we get up there? Veal. It's what's for dinner. Let's go! 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 Okay, it wasn't, but it was still pretty cool, wasn't it? That's who the that's who the devil is. He's a roaring lion. He's pouncing. I mean, that's why we knew something was up. All those vans had stopped because the lions were in their attack mode. You know, they were there. And, and when you're doing spiritual warfare, when you're li- out there living in, in the world, you got to understand that that's exactly what's going on. The devil is in his prowl. He he is in a pounce position, and he wants to come and he wants to attack. That's what's happening. Okay. So so we're going to talk for the next three weeks about Jesus's three temptations and how he overcame them and how we can overcome them in our own lives. Here are the three temptations. Number one is to meet a a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Number two is to try to use God for what we want. Number three is to do the right thing, but to do it at the wrong time or the wrong way. Take a shortcut. As we unpack these things, I think that it's going to help give us some traction in overcoming our own temptation. Because the truth of the matter is, we know we don't want to give in. We know we don't believe in the things that we do and we're doing wrong because that's the whole temptation thing, right? If if you lie, I mean, you knew growing up that lying was bad. Your parents taught you it was bad. You know it's bad. You don't want to live in a society where everybody lies all the time. That would be bad, right? But we lie. Why? To save a little money, to save face, whatever. We do it even though we know it's wrong. Why is that? Because we're listening to the devil, the liar. He's prowling around. He's telling us it's okay. I have never met anybody that growing up said, you know what, when I grow up, I'm going to get married and then I'm going to have an affair and mess up my family. Never met anybody do, doing that. We all, we all know that we want to protect the marriage. We want to protect our, our, our family values. And yet, some of us are thinking about doing it right now. Some of you are doing it right now. Why is that? You, you, you know you don't want to. If you have an addictive behavior, you could write a book on this. Am I right? You could write a book on this. Why is it that you know you hate that thing, you don't want to do it anymore, and this afternoon you're going to go right back to it? Why is that? Here's a great question. Does addiction happen in, in the animal kingdom? Are dogs addicts? No, I, I, I don't think so. Well, why is it that you can break your dog from chewing on the couch, but you can't break your porn addiction? Why is that? Because the devil doesn't care about dogs. He's a cat person, obviously. 
That is funny right there. I don't care what you say. That is funny. Because, because animals can't hear the dove. devil doesn't care about a dog, so he's not talking, he's not telling the dog, hey, you gotta go after that cat. Hey, go chew on that cat. He's not telling him. He's not messing with him. So you can break the animals. Why is it we can't break ourselves? Because we're still listening to the devil. So there's always more at stake than you think. And when we look at the story of Jesus, I mean, think about it. We, I mean, Josh Hamilton's pretty extreme, but hey, how about Jesus? All the devil did was come to Jesus and say, hey, you're hungry. Why don't you make that bread into that rock into a piece of bread? I mean, Jesus obviously could control food. He fed the 5,000 with, you know, just a little bit of food. Jesus could have obviously done it. And would that have been a big deal? Would that have even been a sin? Well, yeah, it would have been because of who suggested it. Is that a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. If I hadn't eaten for 40 days, I think I'd be really ready to turn anything into anything that I could eat. But if Jesus would have done it, what would have happened? It would have been a sin. Ah, just one little sin. Yeah, just one little sin that would have disqualified him from being the perfect sacrifice for sin. And his death on the cross would have been meaningless. And you and I would be toast. Because there's always more at stake in temptation than you think. There's always, it's way bigger, it's a bigger deal, there's a lot more than you can possibly imagine. And for some reason, we don't see it ourselves, right? We see it in other people. Kids, do your parents ever overreact? Ever? A little bit? I didn't want you to raise your hand. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know why they overreact? You know, you're like, you're like, you skipped a day of school, right? And your parents are like, oh, I can't believe you skipped school. Did you see those homeless people on Lower Wacker when we didn't down for Christmas? That's how it all starts. You skip a day of school and pretty soon you're homeless and you don't have any place to live. Why do they overreact like that? Well, because parents know that there's more to it. And yeah, that's ridiculous. Skipping school is not going to lead to homelessness. But there is more at stake. We can always tell that there's more at stake. than Parents are experts in the more at stake department. Because we can always see it in other people. It's always easy. Don't you do this at movies? You know, you go to one of those scary movies and you're like, No! Stupid teenage girl, don't go back into the dark house! Hockey mask man has already brutally killed three of your friends. Don't go in there. And we can do that with other people, but we can't do it with ourselves. Why? Because we're listening to the liar. Sometimes I think my Heavenly Father looks down and he goes, No! Stupid! It's not just a marshmallow. It's not just a cookie. It's not just a date. It's not just a call. It's not just a click. It's not just a drink. Run away, escape. It's your future you're throwing away. There's more at stake than you think. Some of you know this firsthand because you grew up in a family where they, people didn't get it. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, temptation is never isolated to an individual. There is always more at stake. Sin will always take more than you wanted to give. It will always take you further than you wanted to go. And it will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Say that again. Sin will always take more than you wanted to give. It will always take you further than you wanted to go. And it will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And make no mistake about it. When we disobey God, it's sin. It's not a mistake. It's not, oh, I tripped over that, that rake. I slipped on a banana peel. It's sin. It's, God, I know you want it this way, but I'm going to do it a different way. Okay? And the problem is... If you give in to temptation, it's always going to be, there's always going to be more at stake than you imagine. So here's what I want to do. I want to do a little exercise. 
Okay? I, I want you just to repeat this after me. Temptation. We're not even talking to the devil. Some of you don't believe in the devil. That's fine. Talk to your temptation. I want you to get a hold of this, and we're going to do this for the next few weeks. Temptation. You will not steal my future. You will not steal my family. And you will not steal my faith. My future, my family, my faith. All right? Say that with me. Temptation. You will not steal my future. You will not steal my family. You will not steal my faith. One more time. Temptation. You will not steal my future. You will not steal my family. You will not steal my faith. Okay? That's what we're going to concentrate on for the next couple of weeks. Do, do you understand how important it is? How much is at stake when you give in to temptation? Number one. And number two. Do you really believe that God has the right idea? Do you really believe that God is the one that knows everything? Do you really believe that God is strong enough that you can have the confidence in him that he will actually help you when temptation comes? First Corinthians 10, Paul says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. But understand something. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The problem is, if you don't believe that you can say no, then you're never going to say no. If I don't believe I can do it, I'm never going to do it. If you start to understand that God has given you the power to say no, that he will give you the power to stand up under it, then all of a sudden you can start saying no. Will you be perfect? No, of course not. Even, I mean, Josh Hamilton had a relapse and he'll have more. We, we're always going to be people that are going to fall back in sin. Those things are going to happen to us. We're going to be imperfect people, but we don't have to. This is supremely important. Jesus did not come to the earth to die for our sins so that someday when we're dead and gone and our bodies are buried, then we go to heaven and everything will be fine. Jesus came to die for our sins so that the power of sin could be done away with now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even though the devil is a lion, you've got a big gun. Please remember the dream that Josh Hamilton talked about. I'm going to keep coming back to this. I don't hold a lot of stock in dreams, but I think this was poignant. Okay, Josh Hamilton had a dream when he was in the middle of his addiction, doing his drugs. He had a dream that the devil was there. And the devil was this sharp-looking guy dressed up in a, in a suit. And, you know, I mean, he didn't have the pitchfork and all that kind of stuff. But it was the devil. Josh knew it was the devil. And he was trying to keep him away. And he's a baseball player. So he had a baseball bat in his dream. And he was constantly trying to beat the devil away and constantly trying to beat him away. And every time he'd hit him, he'd just bounce back. He was like that guy from Matrix, you know. He just kept bouncing, kept bouncing back, kept bouncing back. And there was nothing he could do to him. And finally, he just got so exhausted that the devil started to overtake him, and that's when he woke up. After he submitted his life to Jesus Christ, after he had the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of him, he had the same dream, except this time the same devil, same suit, same guy, same baseball bat, but this time the devil was running away from him. And Josh said, I didn't know exactly why, but I knew that it wasn't because the devil was afraid of me. It was because there was somebody else with me. You know, your big brother's there with you, and all of a sudden the odds have changed when Jesus is with you. Romans 6.3 says, back to baptism, all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if we've been united with him in his death, we'll be united with him in his resurrection. We read that scripture all the time at baptism. It's just my favorite baptism scripture. But it goes on to say, for we know that our old self was crucified with him 
so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin. You don't have to say yes. It is an offer you can refuse. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. He goes on in verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have now come to obey the pattern of teaching that has claimed your allegiance and you have been set free from sin. Now you're a slave to righteousness. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That was the scripture that popped open when Hamilton threw his Bible on the bed and finally gave up. Submit yourselves to God. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will run away. Why is the devil still here? Uh, Revelation 12 says, Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. The devil is whipped and he knows it. And he wants to take as many people down with him as he can. Erwin Lutzer says, Temptation is not a sin. It's a call to battle. The best way for us to understand that is to understand that God is the one who is the most powerful overall. Conquering sin ultimately is about two things. Number one, realizing that there's more at stake than than it looks like at that moment. And number two, realizing that God is beside me and that he'll never let me go. Went snowmobiling over break. Um, and, and we haven't done it very much. Took my family out. We went snowmobiling. And we went out on a lake. And it was the first time we've ever gone out on a lake. Anybody ever snowmobiled on a frozen lake? Okay. You, you remember what the feeling was like when you first, like, came out onto the, what you realize, you know, you, know there's, you, you realize there's water. You realize you're on a lake. I, I mean, I mean it's, a, it's an eerie feeling because you know it's frozen. And you feel, I mean, you know, I checked it out. It was two degrees outside. It had been frozen for a long time. But there's nothing like the feeling of taking a thousand pound piece of machinery and driving it out on top of the ice. You know, you, you, what, what I did is as soon as I got out on it, I just gunned it because I figured if I'm going fast, you know, if I fall in, I'm OK. I'm just going to keep going and I'm riding really, really fast. And we're all riding really fast. And we turn the corner and there's a guy with a Ford F-250 out on the ice. He's got his pickup truck out there and he's ice fishing. And finally it dawned on me, you know what, I guess I can relax on the ice, you know. If the guy's got his pickup truck out there, then I'm probably okay on this little snowmobile. So we had so much fun. We got inner tubes that you pull behind a boat and we put them out on the ice and we're pulling each other around, slinging each other around on the snowy ice. We were having a blast once we had confidence that the ice wasn't going to break. People... The Christian life is not about later. The Christian life is about now. It's about having the confidence and the power that God gives us now to live the Christian life now, to have His kingdom come now. Yeah, it's great that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm not perfect and I haven't been perfect and I need a sinless Savior to sacrifice Himself for me. But I don't want to walk around tiptoeing on the ice now thinking that at any moment I'm going to crack and fall in. I can have confidence in the power of God, that he is greater as he that is in me, that he that is in the world. And it'll make you relax and live in his grace. And you can live in a way with God that you never possibly understood before. And you can say no. It can be an offer that you refuse. What you need to do is surrender. So what we're going to do for just a moment is uh, we saved one worship song back for now, because I, I want to just to, I want you to spend a little bit of time listening to the words of this song, singing the words of this song. Let your heart be filled with the power of God, so that when you walk out of here today, you can walk out in confidence.
Max Licato writes it like this. The author of life was placed in a cave of death. Satan's victory appeared sure. Finally, the devil had scored at the right end of the court. Not only had he scored, he'd slam dunked on the MVP and left him lying on the floor. The devil had blown it with everyone from Sarah to Peter, but this time he'd done it right. The whole world had seen it. The victory dance had begun. But all of a sudden there was a light in the tomb and a rumbling of the rock. And Friday's tragedy emerged as Sunday's savior. And even Satan knew he'd been had. He'd been a tool in the hand of the gardener. All the time he thought he was defeating heaven, he was helping heaven. God wanted to prove his power over sin and death, and that's exactly what he did. And guess who helped him do it? Once again, Satan's layup becomes a foul up. Only this time he didn't give heaven some points. He gave heaven the game. Jesus died on that cross willingly as the perfect sinless sacrifice to take away all of our sins. Listen. That drama was rough. I mean, I, I get that. But there is forgiveness. There is healing. I, I, could, I could tell you a hundred couples who have gone through that and come out on the other side, and there is hope and healing in Jesus Christ. There is hope and healing. for. There's absolutely nothing that you could have possibly done that Jesus didn't die for. He already knew you were going to do it. What, what I really want you to grab a hold of today and during the series is that you don't have to get yourself in that situation. He's not going to let go of you. He will help you find a way out under it. We're going to pray and have communion. Jesus, I pray that uh, you will be with those in this crowd who've... Uh, this, this sermon's really hit them, which is probably all of us. I, I don't, maybe there's some kids in here that aren't feeling it, but all of us are feeling it because we've all done... We've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. We've all done dumb things. We've all allowed sin... To, to take more than we wanted to give, keep us longer than we wanted to stay. We've all done that. Lord, what we want to do is come right now and start over. We can do that. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The power of sin is gone. And maybe there are people in this room who never accepted you. I pray that right now they'll just open up their hearts and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Not just my Savior. Not, not just save me later, but I want you to be my Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take over my life and be the power over sin and death right now. Maybe the people have been gone for a while and they're coming back and please let them remember what I think is your best story of the gracious father and the prodigal son. It didn't matter what the son had done. Wild living, pigsty, it didn't matter. When he came home, the father was there to throw on the robe and give him the ring and and have the biggest party ever. That's what you're waiting to do. Lord, there may be people in this room who've uh, been thinking about getting baptized. I, I just pray that you'll help them think about, convict them right now to say, you know what, just, the water's there, it's ready. Let's do this next weekend. Demonstrate on the outside what, what's gone on on the inside. Lord, for all of us as we take communion right now, we remember your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And while it looked at the time on Friday like Satan had won, Sunday was coming, and we celebrate the fact that you have the power. And while there may be people here that feel like Friday in their lives, I, help, I just pray that you'll help them to understand the greater is the one that is in them than the one that is in the world. Lord, be with us as we commune with you in Jesus' name. Amen.